This is episode one, season six of Beyond the Illusion. Welcome, and thank you for joining us. We appreciate your patience, as we know this was a longer than usual break between seasons, but I think you'll find it was worth the wait. Our guest in this episode is Nicole Parrish. Nicole is a psychic and a medium. Nicole has been using her abilities to help people in a variety of ways. She shares some great stories with us about her experiences and tons of information about how she's able to do what she does. Let's go to that conversation with Nicole Parrish, Tiana Roser, and myself, Tim Howe. I guess with psychics, I'm always curious, did you have experiences since childhood that kind of let you know that this was something that you've always been connected to, or is it something that woke up later in life? That's such a great question. Yes, I have been psychic my entire life. And with many people who have been psychic or highly intuitive since childhood, um, it's rather a common thing that we have I'll just say unpleasant experiences, experiences that we don't understand. I I love when I hear like, yeah, my grandfather came to me and sang to me at night, the grandfather who crossed over, like, oh, that's so beautiful. And those were not my experiences. My experiences were terrifying as a child and going through different phases as I grew up. And so the very first phase of it was it happened to be part of my family dynamic was my dad was an alcoholic and he recovered he's a recovering alcoholic and my parents were divorced and he could not afford childcare, so he would take me to aa meetings with him this is a horrible place to take three four five-year-old uh young children to And this is how he was able to survive. This is how he was able to do his daily meetings because he couldn't afford childcare and how he was able to get sober. So I understand that as a young child, I saw above the people in the meetings, not only did I hear these very intense stories, but I saw above the people, the spirits. And the best way to say it is they were very, very low vibrational beings. I am sure there were some loving beings in there. I'm sure that there were some family members who crossed over who were helping some of the people in the AA meetings. But my first experiences that I remember were really scary ones. And then, thankfully, my dad had more money. I could get childcare, or I stayed with my brothers as I got older, or I was with my mom. I didn't go to any more AA meetings. And I'm guessing nowadays children are not allowed in AA meetings. <laughs> this was in the 70s. And we know better. And I love my dad dearly. Like, love, love, love him. And that just happens to be like my awakening into the psychic realm. And then throughout my life, I went through different phases. In high school, um, I kept seeing people dying. And this was very hard because, one, I would be in the body of the person who was dying. So I'd be in their body as they crossed over. Two, there was no way for me to warn them, like, oh, you're about to die. Like, let's try to avoid this death. And three, there was no way I had to process it. So in high school, I would go to the nurse's office sobbing, saying, I'm in Nancy's body. She's about to be hit by a train. And the very next day, my mom would look in the obituaries and there's Nancy who was hit by a train, but it was 
in her body as she died. Wow. And I mean, I would just go, my mom was just so used to it, like me sobbing and she doesn't know like how she knew how to comfort me, but she doesn't have these experiences. And so I had these very, very intense experiences. And the last one was so beautiful. It was, I was in the body of an elder gentleman, maybe 80 years old. And there was a car coming towards us. Now I'm 17 years old, but all of a sudden I'm in his body and this car is coming towards us and it's two teenage boys and they cross the lane and strike and run into the man's car. I know one boy is going to die and one boy is going to be paralyzed for life. And I hear this old man saying to his wife, I think his wife's name was Elise, Elise, there wasn't enough time. I also smelt pigs. So I go home to my mom sobbing. Mom, it's 7.32 p.m. This man's going to have this car accident on Riverside Drive in Perrysburg, Ohio. And there's nothing we can do about it. The next day, she looked in the newspaper. She found about the accident. She took me to the hospital where the man was. And I got to meet him. And I did a mission. He was so lovely. And he told me, yes, that is what happened. And I said, why did I smell pigs? And he said, oh, I looked downwind from a pig farm. It is not a good smell. And it took him months to recoup. And when he had recouped, he invited me and my parents to his house. We met his wife, lovely, lovely couple, my parents and them became friends. And that was the last time I had those kind of visions. Decades later, I was telling someone about them and and just questioning, like, why? Why did I have those? And someone said, I wonder if you helped those people as they crossed over. I wonder if by being in their body, it actually helped soften their experience. Now, I don't know if that's true, but that certainly helped me. It certainly, like, it rang true for me. And so that was another phase. And then, and just throughout my life, and with many intuitive people, actually with people in, in whatever their passion is or whatever their natural abilities are, whatever it is, working with children, mathematics, whatever it is, they can look back and see the different phases of their life. And in my life, I've had different phases and there was, I'll say one more phase and then I'll stop talking about this, but there was the phase of the white pages. That's what I call it, the years of the white pages where a different spirit each night, not every night, but two, three nights a week, would shake my toe while I was sleeping and wake me up. And I remember there was a time period I was nursing children six years in a row. It felt like I always had a babe at my breast. And I'd be asleep, baby at my breast. I would take a piece of uh, a journal next to me and my pen and the spirit would tell me what to write down. I'd write it down, I'd go back to sleep. The next morning I'd get out the white pages. Remember those from way back when? (laughs) Get out the white pages and read the person's name that they said, and I would call them, and I would say, hi, you don't know me. My name's Nicole Parrish. I had a dream about you. Would you like to hear about it? 100% of the people said yes, and I would give messages such as, your brain cancer has returned. And the woman who I said that to, she started sobbing. She said, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, thank you. And in her particular case, She'd had brain cancer, she went into remission, and then she'd gotten, she gets checked every six months or a year or something like that, and she'd been recently checked six weeks earlier, 
her brain cancer was clear. And in that six week time period, she got the original symptoms back that she did like way back when, like she lost weight all of a sudden, she lost balance and there was something else that I don't remember. She went back to the doctor saying, I need rechecked brain cancer, her kind of brain cancer spreads very, very quickly. And they said, no, insurance only pays for one check every six months. And because she got that phone call, she said, I will pay for it out of pocket. I know that it is returned. And so I would get phone calls like that. And then after a while, I was exhausted of years of doing that. So I called a meeting of my spirit guides and said, no more. No more in the middle of the night. There will be no more waking me up in the middle of the night. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. So then it took a couple of years of a reset of learning how I could get that kind of information, but during the day. And so I needed to go through this whole process because receiving information in the middle of the night is different than receiving it during the day. So you asked the question There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, you asked a question about childhood and uh, I went into the different phases. Yeah. Those are amazing stories. I was thinking about how much trust and faith you have to have to like call these strangers up, you know, from the yellow pages and tell them these things, these really personal things and give them your name. I'm, but I'm thinking that that uh, experience that you had at 17 was so powerful because you got to have the validation by going to visit the man that that must have set a lot of, of that trust from that point on which um, was really helpful for all those years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How, how did that make you feel when you were calling these people? I mean, they're perfect strangers to you. Were you, were you scared to do that? Oh, terrified. I would shake. Sometimes I would cry afterwards. Oh, also I'm super emotional now. Like I'm really emotional in a good way, like really in touch with my feelings. So I cry really easily now where I didn't used to, like I cut off my feelings. It was years before I cried, but occasionally I would cry after talking with some of these people because it was just so intimate. It was so, so personal. And one of the reasons also why I cut that off, I said it was because I was, I was being woken up in the middle of the night. And that is one reason. But another reason, it got really hard. There was one woman in particular, I called her up. I said, oh, I started asking my guides or spirits who came in for three tells. So I needed three things that had nothing to do with the actual message. So the person hearing it believed me. Like I, I helped with a murder case once. And so the murder case, the three tells of the gentleman was when he got home, he would take off his work clothes and put on his overalls. And that was accurate. The second tell was that uh, he had his four front teeth, top front teeth were thick. He had dentures. So that was the second tell. The third tell was that he had a maroon fleece, um, like an old Navy or Land's Inn police vest in his front, hanging in the front closet. So those were the three tells. So then the police could believe what I was about to say, because then the person who was murdered then was able to tell me who murdered him. Yeah, yeah. that's great. That's smart. <laughs> you're like, hey, I'm not going to share this unless you give me, yeah, yeah, I would want that too. I was curious, as you're saying these things, like, so you say, I'll oh, give me the three tells. Are you, are they telling you, are you hearing it or are they showing it to you or both? How are you receiving this information? 
Great. So I receive information in a lot of different ways, but that has developed over the years. So when I was eight years old and a spirit came to me, and it was the first spirit I remember ever talking directly to me. He, and I, we were at our apartment complex. I was outside, friends were around, and the spirit stepped, looked like from behind the bushes. And he said, we have come to check on you. How are you doing? And I said, I'm doing fine. And he said, we're going to check on you throughout your life. And I said, good. So on the surface, there's that conversation. But what was actually happening underneath that is I could see him with my physical eyes. I don't see spirits with my physical eyes anymore. I see them with my intuitive eyes. I could see him with my physical eyes. I could hear him with my intuitive ears. And most importantly for me at that time is I could feel him. I felt comfortable. I trusted him. I could feel that he was with a group of beings and it wasn't just him. And I could feel that I had a connection before that eight-year-old second grade time period. Throughout the years, it has developed that now my sense of feeling has grown immensely. I get many emotions through emotional feelings or many messages through emotional feelings and I can feel sensations. So if someone's grandfather crossed over from lung cancer, I might be able to feel the lung cancer in my lungs. Or if someone has broken their leg or they're about to break their leg, I might be able to feel the break in my leg or feel things, more pleasant things than, than those kind of things. <laughs> and then I also have get messages through smell, like smelling the gentleman's pigs, a sense of taste, like uh, two grandparents who crossed over handed me an ear of corn and I could taste the freshness, the crispness of the corn. It was like just the corn fresh from the earth. And I told my client, oh, so your grandparents grew corn in the fields of Kansas. And she said, yes. And the message originated because I could taste the corn. And then more recently, the past several years, my spirit guides have been teaching me how to do medical intuition. And so that's another skill that has been developing over the years. But the last couple of years, is they've been diving deeper into teaching me how to do it. And then receiving messages other ways, flashes of the future and whatnot. But those are my main ones. That's absolutely fascinating. So... To be clear, you are developing your skills over the course of your life then. Like you weren't able to do some of the things you can do now as a child, I guess. And and now you can because you've had a lot of practice. And I guess you also receive instruction from, you know, your psychic abilities too on how to improve yourself, right? Yes, correct. I remember bemoaning to one of my friends going, this feels so lonely to me. I felt so alone, psychically, having high intuition, deeply alone. It felt like a, a childhood wound to me. Like I had very supportive parents, but, but and my dad was highly intuitive. My aunt was, my grandma was. So I get this from my dad's side of the family, but no one really talked about being psychic. And I remember talking with one of my friends and, and saying, like, I've, I've asked for a spiritual teacher for decades and no one has come. And I search for someone. And, like, I think a lot of people might be able to relate. Like, who is my mentor? Who is my, who's even my peer? And just not find, now I have, I have all sorts now. But for decades, I felt so alone. And he said, 
um, that doesn't feel like the truth. Like you actually tell me your spirit guides have taught you for decades. And I went, oh my gosh, you're so right. I've had teachers for decades, but they weren't in the physical form. And yes, throughout my life, different skills have developed. And I will say, I know what my natural abilities are and I know what are not my natural abilities. And I've tried to go both routes of like, ooh, let's, let's plump up my natural abilities. Yes, that works. Let's try to plump up my abilities that are not natural for. Oh, oh, that's hard. I was adamant. I wanted to learn how to levitate. I wanted to learn how to astral project. I wanted to learn, uh, what do you call it? The dreaming, um, lucid dreaming. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I heard other people could do it. I worked on it. I read books. I did. I took classes. Yeah, no, my that's not how I am set up. I asked projected twice, consciously scared the poo-poo out of me. Like it was so scary because I like I had this huge fear that I wouldn't be able to come back in my body. And at the same time, it was really cool. But I was like, yeah, no, I'm out of here. I, I love hearing other people's stories of the astral projecting, but it's not my natural thing. Could it be in the future? Maybe, but something inside of me would have to shift. And I'm not going to put my time and effort into forcing it to shift. I think that's really good advice for any, I mean, even non-spiritual, non-psychic or whatever is like, oh, where do you want to invest your time and energy? And um, yeah, if, some, if somebody's like super passionate about something, even though they're not very naturally, you know, uh, good at it, then it might still be worth it. But mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's like, oh, you know, is it really worth it to put all of this time and energy when these other things um, I enjoy and they come easily to me. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm really glad you said that because I think a lot of people, they'll hear, you know, stories from people like you who have these abilities to do things that they aren't able to do, but that's just normal. That's natural because they can do something that you can't do, right? Everyone has their own, like you said, their own setup, their own configuration and what we're able to do. And, you know, I've heard Tiana tell stories about things that have happened to her and things that she has done that I would never do. I just couldn't. I know I can't, right? Like, that's not even something I would try because I just know it's not going to happen for me. But there are things that I can do and that happen to me that that probably don't happen to other people. So I think it's important for people to remember that, that uh, not everyone's going to be a, a psychic like you are in the same way, right? So, but we all have our abilities and our, our talents. And so it's important to remember that. But something you said earlier uh, about the, the person coming around the bush and appearing to you, to your physical eyes, for whatever reason, that that really made me think of these these paranormal experiences that I've read a lot about, right? So people have had these sort of experiences that don't describe them in the same way you did, but they're similar. And so my question to you is, do you have a lot of that kind of thing happen in your life? Does a lot of weird stuff happen to you because you have these abilities? That's a great question. I love the category of weird because I really like, I like being on the outskirts of things because that's my natural personality. I see a lot of clients in one week. So when I'm with clients, when I'm in those sessions doing those readings, I would say there's a lot of quote weird things that happen. I I speak with dead people, literally. So that's weird in itself. Outside of the clients, 
over a lifetime, yes, I have weird stuff. But either one, either I'm used to these weird things, so I don't think they're weird anymore, or I, I really don't have that many weird stuff. And one of the reasons is I work on having really strong boundaries. My boundaries are, I say, if I'm not in actual session with someone, I'm the least psychic psychic. I receive very little information unless it's about myself. And so, yes, I saw this being come from behind a bush and it was incredibly meaningful to me. And that does happen every now and then, but it is not a regular occurrence. Now, my dad who crossed over eight years ago, him showing up in my bedroom, like at nighttime and telling me something. Yeah, that's a common occurrence to me. Dad showed up right before I came into this session. But as far as the weird stuff, it doesn't happen as much because I've intentionally put uh, healthy walls or healthy boundaries around myself. Can we talk more about that? Because I think that's so important. I think that people might be inspired by your experiences and want to start to dabble with that, but maybe don't know that much about how to set healthy, energetic, or psychic boundaries. Yes, it's actually one of my favorite topics because anyone who is highly intuitive or maybe highly sensitive person or maybe um, atypical or for whatever different reasons, uh, sensitive introvert, if you're like me, I've literally been in the fetal position on the bed crying, blanket over me, sometimes feeling like I'm desiring metal over my head for like, which that feels weird in itself. But I now know that some kind of metals block out some kind of frequencies um, because I was receiving so much information. There's only so many dead people a person can see in a week if you don't want to, right? <laughs> it's just so overwhelming. And, and I've seen some really scary beings as well. In general, I've seen lovely ones, but, um, and have experience with lovely beings. So as far as boundaries, I worked my tookish off for decades, figuring out what kind of boundaries for me to, that were effective around me. And my first and foremost intuitive ability is visualization. So I'm highly, highly visual. So for me, visualizing my energetic field around me, which from my understanding goes three to six feet out beyond our physical bodies, and that it's egg shape around us. And I often check my energetic field, though the edges of that egg shape to see if there are any holes, any leaks, any dents or bumps and smoothing those out and filling them in. So I'm not leaking energy. I'm not taking in other people's energy or receiving information that I don't wanna see receive right then. There's a thing that I call batching down the hatches. When I realize that I'm feeling open, raw, exposed, I don't even know need to know why. I'm just like, ooh, I'm more open. Here I am at Whole Foods. I love Whole Foods. I open up and I'm like, whoa, there's still 300 people in the grocery store. I should not be, or not should. I don't want to be wide open here. And so batching down the hatches where I visualize I have, whether it be armor around me or a brick wall around me, not that I'm closed off from people. I still very much are connected with people, but I don't need to receive all the information. Another thing about boundaries is it really helped me. 
I went through this phase of, wait, if I close off some of this information, that could be harmful for me. This is what I was thinking. Like, it's part of a survival skill. It's to be able to receive lots of information. And in my childhood, I needed that survival skill. But shifting my perspective from there's potential harm around every corner from my childhood to actually there's safety around every corner. The universe is out to help and support me. The world is out to help and support me. Yes, there are things along the way that can cause harm or hurt, but in general, I am well cared for and I care for myself. So it's, it is beneficial to put up these boundaries like putting up boundaries of our house. We get to say who comes into our house. We get to say, it's been a pleasure being with you. It's time for you to leave. And so these energetic boundaries are the boundaries of my body, my emotional body, my physical and mental and spirit body. Wonderful. I just wanted to make one point because I know that there's some people like me who are not good visualizers. And it used oh. it kept me for a long time from doing regular energetic hygiene because it would always say, visualize a bubble of light, visualize. Mm-hmm. And then one book I read, it said, visualize or intend. And I was like, oh, I can intend. I can't, I can't visualize it, but okay, I'm just going to intend there's this protective bubble. I'm going to, and so, um, yeah, I just want to say that for, you know, those who are like me, who that's not one of my gifts. That's one area that always would make me feel really a struggle and want that to happen. But it very, very rarely happens that something happens inwardly visually, but yeah, just energy follows intention and just having the intention of these things that you're mentioning works equally. I'm glad you said that. It's often that when I walk someone through it, I will say, imagine, intend and imagine. And then instead of like, for me, if I'm working just for me, I will visualize the eggshell and visualize the energy in the eggshell. If I'm walking someone through it, I'll bring up sensations. You might feel the lightness. You might, you might feel a weight to it. You might sense the color blue and I'll bring in sensations and emotions to it because not everyone is visual. I'm glad you said that. And you said energetic hygiene. And I love that. Clearing the energetic field at the end of the day, we wash our bodies, we wash our clothes, clearing out the field is such an important thing. Calling our energy back at the end of the day or once a week and sending out the energy that's not ours. There's so many different aspects of energetic hygiene that I adore. And once I heard that phrase from someone else, whoever it was, thank you. I was like, oh, it just clicked. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, that became really important for me. And to think of it like that, like, is it like to think of it like hygiene? Because before I would just do these practices when I felt off. And then I realized like, I'm always saying like dental hygiene, I brush my teeth every day. I don't only brush my teeth when my teeth hurt. I do it every day to prevent my teeth from hurting. And so it's the same kind of thing. And definitely people who are sensitive, it would be helpful. But nowadays I feel like because we're just in such a chaotic uh, time or unstable time, everybody I think would really benefit from doing these practices on a regular basis because whether or not people know it, they are being affected by the energies around them. They just might not understand that that's what's affecting them in a certain way. Yeah, I could really use, I could 
probably do more of that. It probably helped me a lot because, you know, sometimes I have a really intense day and then I'll take my clothes off at the end of the day and I'll put them in, you know, the, the dirty clothes. And I'm like, yeah, I need to, you know, like get that energy away from me because I'm done with that and whatever it was, you know, and I even sometimes won't put the same clothes on until I've like cleared it with for whatever reason the clothes is where for me it seems like the, it goes into the clothes so i don't know i should just do that for my body too i guess for my for my whole being because for whatever reason i feel like something just like sticks to you you know when you go through something really powerful so yeah i think clearing it's probably a really good way to help so you earlier you mentioned that you were kind of getting into medical intuition too and is that something that you provide for people through your services that you do now? Or what kind of services do you do for people? I'll say what kind of services I do, and then I'll talk about medical intuition, which okay. I'm super excited about. So in general, someone comes to a session with me, they're either wanting to talk with a loved one who's crossed over or multiple loved ones. And that could be family member, friend, neighbor, whomever. So someone who's crossed over. Um, or they're wanting to talk with their spirit guides. They might want to do some past life stuff and um, dive into that, dive into the Akashic Records. And if someone wants to do a deep dive into past life stuff or Akashic Records, I'm like, great topics, and I recommend them to someone else. So I love like the psychic community supporting each other and the healing arts community. Yes, I could totally do some Akashic Records, but if someone wants to do like an hour session, I'm not the gal for you but I love doing a little bit. So someone might come for a little bit of that. And then the rest of the session, they want to talk with their spirit guides. People might want to talk about career, love, finances, their soul purpose. Some people might want to come for medical stuff. I am incredibly comfortable with all the topics. I've also worked in sex education, uh, relationships, communication, and I love working with all sorts of different communities, uh, differently abled, uh, POC or people of color, queer community. I'm personally part of the queer community. I have a husband, I do women, I did, you know, all, all the things. And so it's really important for me that I'm that people feel comfortable if they want to talk about whatever subject it is, polyamory, whatever, whatever it is. And as far as medical intuition, so yes, my guides have been teaching me this. And so what happens typically when someone comes to a session with me, I have two beings who help me with medical stuff. And so if they come into the session, I know that they will want me to do a medical scan of the person's body. And so then I explain to the person what this is, that, that these beings are going to point something out to me and I ask permission to do it. And they typically say yes, but of course they can say no, it's totally fine. And so then I do the medical scan and sometimes they want me to go head to toe and they'll give me a feeling of what it's like. So I might feel like, oh, sluggish. I can barely get out of bed. Uh, it, the emotions associated with it. And then I'm like, oh, this person has lupus or whatever it is, or Lyme's disease. Or they'll point directly to the ovaries or a few a couple months ago someone came in and i said oh they're encouraging you to go get your heart checked and the woman is a professional athlete and she's like actually i just got my heart checked it's totally fine 
And I said, well, I'm just going to offer this information to you where they are encouraging you to go get your heart check. It's up to you. And then she contacted me two weeks later. She said, oh, it turns out I need a pacemaker. Thank you so much. And um, wow. <laughs> so now if I see that they have lupus or Lyme's disease or need a pacemaker, I'm not actually going to say that because one, I could be wrong and that feels unethical to me. I don't feel skilled enough to be able to go, I am 100% sure they have lupus. No, that's not my place. So I will say they're encouraging you to go to a doctor and get this specific thing checked. It is really, really important to me. And I say it with every client, whatever I say to you, and this is not just about medical, but the session itself, whatever I say to you, remember, these are offerings. I'm offering you these messages. You get to pick them up or not. You are the master of your life. I am not the master of your life. Just because the psychic says so does not mean it is correct. So please trust your own self. So, and then another example, a woman came in or the guides came in, the medical guides, and said that she needed a hysterectomy or that I thought they had said she had a hysterectomy. And I said, oh, they want to talk about your hysterectomy. And she's like, no, I haven't had one. And they're like, oh, well, I'm going to say what they're saying about your hysterectomy and just take it all with, with a grain of salt. You might want to get your uterus checked up. And then she contacted me soon after that. She's like, hysterectomy scheduled for October. So she had it done last October. So things like that, it feels like it's part of my purpose. It's just one of the things that are part of my purpose to help give information, pass on information. It's not my information, but pass it on and really be supportive. Because one of the things that I've learned in these sessions of working with these hundreds, thousands, whatever amount of people is life is really hard sometimes. People go through hell in their life. Doesn't mean their entire life is hard, but everyone goes through dark night of the soul. Everyone has challenges that keep resurfacing and resurfacing. It's part of our lessons or just as bad luck. I don't know, maybe a combination. I get to have the honor to be one of the people who gets to support them, whether this be medically or just get to love on them for that hour while they're in session with me. Yeah, that's beautiful. I was curious about these two guides that come in for the medical stuff. Are, like, are either of them doctors or, or did you, once you decided that you were going to kind of open to this realm, were you like, oh, I better read up on these different um, medical things so that I will have the vocabulary in brain that they can use to explain things to me? Um, so one is a scientist and she is actually a famous scientist. I don't want to say her name. It feels like a private connection. I now know about her, but she told me her name. I knew her name right away. Um, because she is famous and she has crossed over, but I didn't know much about her life. Mm. And so she told me about her life. We had connections. She educated me on some things. And then I looked her up and it was really fun to see the things. The other person is some kind of medical. And so they're teaching me various things, but also my spirit guides have taught me a lot. So I sat down with these two spirit helpers and what I wanted from them and what I was eight and what I was able to give them. And so we sat down, I have it written down and they said yes to the things, agreed to the things. And then I agreed to the things. So we're 
we are co-workers. And there was an original spirit who came in who said he would help and he was um, he is a doctor. And when I did the contract with him, he said, no, I won't be able to do this particular thing. And I said, thank you for letting me know Then we're not going to work together because I need you to be. And it was to show up every single time. Like when, when there's someone who has a medical issue who needs medical help, I need you as a spirit to be able to show up. And he's like, no, I, I can't do that. And he's like, thank you very much. But this is what I need for people. And uh, so I did that. I love that approach that I, that you said something like that before where, you know, like, oh, I need these, you know, three tells. And I, I think it's very empowering because sometimes maybe people will like, oh, these higher beings are coming, you know, and just like, oh, whatever, whatever they say. But you're like, no, you know, we're both, this is an equal partnership and this is what I need in order to work with you, just like you would physical embodiment. I think that's a really important point that uh, would be helpful and, and kind of leads into a conversation I want to have about discernment, right? Because when we open up spiritually, psychically, lots of different beings can come in and say, oh, hey, this and that, and here's what I can do for you. And I don't know if you have some guidelines or hints on how people can sort of discern who they're working with and whether that's a, a good connection. Beautiful. Thank you. It's funny, just a few hours ago, I was having a conversation with a dear friend, the word discernment. And the word discernment came up a lot and couldn't comprehend the word. I even looked it up in the dictionaries. Like, I don't understand what this word means. Hence, I had very little discernment, told one thing, but then felt another thing. And so I developed skills over the years for discernment. And now I do it so naturally that I, I'm not even consciously aware. Because one of my natural abilities now is connecting with my feelings, I can feel, I can discern if this is a being of love and love, a being who's benevolent. Just because they're a family member from generations ago or a hundred years ago does not mean they're actually benevolent to me. Just because they are a being who has crossed over and they're in the spirit realm automatically mean that they're wise and know, know what to do, what's the highest and best for everyone involved. And so discerning, is this being beneficial for me? Am I beneficial for them? This is a two-way street. And also something I learned that if someone has, if someone is, say, calling in a spirit to help them, they're writing a book and it's like, okay, I want a spirit to help me. And I really need someone to help me through this. Call for the absolute highest and best in that situation. Might as well call on the most qualified, most capable, most skilled, and someone a being who works well with you. And in my mind, I also want it to be beneficial for them for whatever reason. I don't understand the big spiritual connections, but I want it to be this two-way street. Yeah, that's funny. You, you're saying almost exactly the same thing. We had a medical intuitive person on last season, and she said that exact same thing that you're saying right now is that you want to call on the most high, the most divine, whatever your wording should be for that situation, and then that one will come through. And uh, yeah, that's that's super important. I want to go back to, to something that you said early on that I had a question and then I kind of put aside, which was about when you would go to those AA meetings and you would see, because I've, I've heard that before and I'm not, I don't really see, but I've heard people say that 
there are like attachments, like spirit attachments to those. I was curious if it's just those who are addicted or anytime we have these spirits, these substances that maybe bring us kind of out of our body or open a certain way. Could you talk about that at all? Absolutely. You know, I would also be really curious. I'm just putting this out there universe-wise to hear other people's perspectives of this. Um, just, I, I'd really like to. So what I'm going to share is from my three, four, five-year-old perspective. So keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I haven't been to an AA meeting since then. I haven't been around a large group of people who are uh, in addictive patterns. Sure, I've been around one or two. So from my perspective, may say my overall experience, the air was gray, like the entire air above them. And yes, they were smoking, but energetically, it was gray. Many of the beans were gray. Many of the beans looked like insects or lizards. And not as in there's the thing of like aliens, lizard people. No, that is something different. This was like literal, like maybe one looked like a chameleon or a lizard climbing the wall. I felt a connection with, this was interesting. Again, this is from my child perspective, a connection more with hard liquor Hmm. I don't even know how I felt that connection, but also when I would go into bars, sometimes feel that there was something about the energy of hard liquor, the energy of beer, and I'm not anti-drinking. I drink myself. So that was really interesting. What was your original question, Diana? I don't know. (laughs) I feel like you answered it. I was curious. I was just curious if, you know, there are these attachments anytime someone is drinking or if it's mostly around um, addicts. I could definitely see, and sometimes I still see this, energetic field or attachment directly to the body. And these attachments have a sway over the person's personality and over the person's behavior. These are huge generalizations, what I'm saying, by the way, okay? So this is not for everyone who has addictive personality or everyone who's making some really poor choices over and over, whatever it is. But sometimes we have attachments and it might make a person feel more depressed or feel more anxious or feel more fear or terror or do certain things like drink more or whatever it is. And in certain cases, to me, it seems like it's because these attachments feed off of low vibrational energy, feed off of low vibrational emotions. Now, I think it's really important that we feel our fear, that we feel our anger, that we feel our depression, but sometimes these attachments are stirring them up and actually amplifying them or making a person feel like they have a foggy brain clearly, or desiring, yearning, longing for another drink when if that attachment was removed, they wouldn't actually desire it as much. Would they desire it? Yes, this is part of you know their, their personality or whatever's going on with their behavior, but the attachments can make it more intense. And the good news is attachments can be removed. And the healing or the residue of the attachments can be removed and healing can occur. But it's really important if that happens to seal up the energetic field so more attachments don't come. And then with the energetic 
we mentioned Tiana, it's important to do regular energetic clearing. Will this solve, solve addictive personality? No, but this is part of supporting a person who has addictive personality or who, I don't even know if that's the proper wording for addictive, who has addiction in their life. And I would also say, again, it's a generalization, but I think most people have had attachments in their life. I certainly have had attachments on me, not to make me drink more, not to make me do drugs, but but it influences me to maybe feel certain things or do certain behaviors. And then I realize, I'm like, why is my brain foggy? Why am I feeling anxious when my life's doing pretty good? Oh, I picked up some attachment from the grocery store. Let's do an energetic clearing, energetic hygiene. Great. And point you maybe were teaching people these things is that something that you're offering people who would want to learn these tools yes development classes and also just my one-on-one sessions or if i'm doing group readings for 10 15 20 people i often like to throw in some energetic hygiene or some ways to help pump up the energetic field to make sure that it's porous to just the right amount versus letting in all sorts of different things. So I know you provide these these your talents and your 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 gifts as a service to people, but I'm wondering in your everyday life, do you see or pick up on something from people that you feel like okay, yeah, like I need to share this with them because it's probably pretty important, and and they're not, you know, they're not going to you for that service, but you're around them, and so you feel like you need to share that. Does that ever happen to you? Yeah, last week, I worked so hard to make sure it doesn't happen. So when it does, I know that, or I feel like, oh, this is this is significant. Like I almost, okay, Nicole, talking to my higher self, we're gonna let this information through week I was um, I had just met these people they're absolutely lovely they're all speaking Russian two people from Russian one woman just escaped Ukraine and was new in the States and all of a sudden one of the women from Russia her husband came in and what happened was he told me a joke and many times when someone says a joke I may not hear the joke but my body responds and, and so I, I had met them 45 minutes earlier and I'm just hanging out with them and I burst out laughing and the woman one of the women from Russia was like what's so funny and I and without even thinking I went your husband just told a joke oh my god he's saying he's a donkey like he's an ass now he's making fun of now he's baseball because it's the epitome of what's wrong with America and now he's talking about cheerleaders and I'm like just say no and she just starts thank you yes he tells lots of jokes i'm like and i said and i paused like all of that came out so fast and normally when i get information about people who i haven't met before i will ask permission it's really really hey i'm a psychic professional psychic medium i see that your grandmother has come in she would like to talk with you would you like to hear hope that's completely fine well in this case this man was so funny folks that i was just like bursting out laughing and the woman was uh he ended up staying for about two hours and talking with her oh that's lovely wow yeah i was wondering about going back to um teaching people that he have the capacity to be psychic in some way you know you had people that were naturally intuitive and 
that maybe never felt like that but is kind of interested is it going to be one of those things where like oh they should probably put their efforts elsewhere because it'd be too much or can everybody in some way open to some psychic gifts my belief that everyone is intuitive just like everyone can sing but we can't all sing like christina aguilera nor do we all want to sing like christina aguilera Some people are humming in the shower once a month and that's it for them. They're happy with it. And some people are taking voice lessons and some people are teaching voice lessons and everyone's on a different spectrum. So it is my belief that everyone can increase, everyone's already intuitive and can increase their intuitive abilities. For someone like you, you're not very visual. So if you go to a psychic class and the teacher is teaching through visualization, that may not actually speak to you. It may not land in you. Or say one of my clients is an automatic writer. So spirit comes to her and uses hand and automatic writes. I tried to do that. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I want to do it. Epic fail. I wasn't able to do it. It's not my natural ability. So when people come to my classes, I work on teaching in various ways, teaching to the visual, to the audio, to the, um, or the auditory, um, to the emotions in various ways. And ideally, some of the tools that I teach will speak to them, and then they can tweak the tools in whatever way works for them. A lot of my tools, I've learned elsewhere, and then I tweak it to a way that fits me. Will someone come out to be able to be a professional psychic? Some people will. Other people know that's not their path and and not their desire. So some people I know take a lot of psychic development classes and they develop to them painfully slow. They're like, oh, I want to be more intuitive. I want to be able to connect with their guides. And whatever it is on their path, they're doing it at a pace that they wish they could do it faster. And then I remind them, like, look at where you were five years ago. Look at where you were 10 years ago. And they might come to me and they're like, yeah, I've taken all these classes, but I haven't developed very far. And, and I just encourage them to really honor. And yeah. I have a question for you that we, we normally ask everyone this, but I think it's different for you because you have, you know, a gift that you, you know, use to help people. And I'm wondering, do you ever use that to kind of like feel into what's happening on the earth right now or what's happening with our society or, you know, the the bigger picture, you know, maybe the weather, whatever it might be. Do you ever do that? So me personally, I don't. But what happens is it'll come in through client sessions. But as far as world stuff, yes, I have been told, I think it was last week, I just hesitate to even say it out loud. And and I hope I'm incorrect, but or I hope I heard it incorrect, but there's going to be another pandemic and it's not COVID and it's going to be three to seven years from now. And then they just talked more about that. And the reason it came through this one particular man's session, as I said, it will greatly affect your job and they're actually recommending that you do your job. And I was like, and what is your job? He's like, I'm a teacher. It's like, yeah, it will greatly affect your job. And he said the pandemic almost did him in for teaching. And so they were preparing him that there's this global thing that's going to happen and prepared now to leave your profession. So some different things happen, but I have not privately with my spirit guides to say, hey, what's going on with the world? Oh, COVID. Before COVID happened, 
uh, people were coming to me about six months beforehand. This is really interesting. I actually don't know what it means. So many dragons were coming in. Like someone, a client would be there and a dragon would come in behind them, like a positive, like armor the f up. We're about to go into something. And I kept, I was seeing dragons. I'm out and about, I'm on a date. I have clients. I am seeing dragons all my entire life. No dragons. I'm not seeing any dragons. And for about six months and getting messages for people like some really, but I wasn't hearing what it, it, what it was. Yeah, if I got the, heard those messages, then I'd be asking my guides, okay, what's all this dragon stuff about? Or, you know, what's this pandemic? Because then I'm like thinking, you know, oh, how is this going to affect us all? I, I'm just curious if you're kind of just like, okay, if, if it's on a need to know basis. If I need to know, they're going to tell me. Or do you ask follow up questions and they're just like, they don't tell you? Or how does that work? So what happens is I have a pad of paper and a pen in my sessions. Because many times something will be said in a session and I'll be like, oh, I don't know what that is. And I will write myself a note to look it up later. Happens to be with the pandemic. I don't know with a future pandemic. I don't know what to look up. But I mean, I could connect with my spirit guides. I haven't actually felt a pull to. I might later on, but I haven't. Maybe after this interview, <laughs> I will. And then um, let us know what you hear. <laughs> <laughs> I will. And I receive so much information through sessions that I would go into overwhelm if I held on to the information. And so there's only so many things I look up. I have so much like scientific information that comes through me, information that uh, in foreign languages, information in light languages, which are, I didn't know what light languages were until they were coming through me, like beings from other other planets talking to me or other dimensions talking, talking with me or through sound. And so I, I have so much stuff coming in that once the session's over, I really let the session go. And sometimes I forget, like when you asked him about world stuff, I had actually forgotten that they had talked about a pandemic. And so now I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, maybe I will talk with my spirit guides. But also there's the, I have my daily life of my Nicole life. I'm an adventurer. I love traveling. I love being with my family and my loves and my friends. And so a lot of my daily life time is taken, is focused on just being Nicole. Yeah. And you need, you know, that whole foot in, you know, one foot in each world, you really need that because when you go so much into the psychic and spiritual, then I can see how just being grounded in the physical body and the physical daily things is really uh, helpful to have that balance. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And also, I don't know if you have this, Tayana. There's so many times where I've gone to my spirit guides throughout the years and I've had a question for them and I cannot hear the answer. I can barely feel them. But I notice if I say, hey, Tayana, I really have a burning question for my spirit guides and I need someone else to help amplify the energy, to help me connect with my spirit guides. Can you just sit next to me? Even if it's on Zoom, can you sit there and it amplify my connection with my guides? I've done this a lot especially with one particular friend, he'll just go into meditation and then I'm able to more easily connect with my guides. Have you had that experience? I've never thought to do that, but I would say that, you know, that same kind of effect, like um, group meditation and things like that, I can go a lot of times deeper or get 
connect to higher beings or, you know, things that maybe that I don't do normally on my own. So yeah, I would think that it's that same kind of effect. The group energy effect amplifies things. My guides will just kind of tell me a lot of times, like, that's, you know, it's not, it's on a need to know basis and you don't need to know right now, or that's above your pay grade kind of thing. Like they'll tell me those kinds of things. I'm okay. Yeah. Or I've had where, yeah, there's, there's a, a being that I'm working with now. And when I was going back through my journals, trying to prepare to write another book, I found that, oh, actually he'd visited me several years before and kind of like what you're saying, he was taught, I couldn't understand anything you said. And then I totally forgot about it. I didn't remember it at all. And then I'm, I was like, oh, now I can understand what he said. I guess now is the right time. And I guess I wasn't ready for it a few years ago. So, but I never thought about that. Like the asking other people to, that's a really good idea. Yeah. It's, I've learned throughout the years how I'm able to connect easier. One is body position. There, there are three main body positions for me where I can easily drop in and connect. Having a visual. So if I'm doing a session, some people do sessions over the phone. I need to visually see the person. Can I do a session over the phone? Yes. Can I do a session long distance actually talking to them? Yes. But for me to connect deeply, it's important for me to physically see them and physically meaning over zoom as well. I have clients over the, all over the world. So zoom has been great. Having, having lights on, if it's really dark, it could be harder for me, or it's just like if I'm laying down, it's a different brain with tricks of the trade for me to be able to connect. But if I'm still like, Oh, I'm having a hard time connecting with my spirit guide. I will, I can contact one of my friends and they know the drill. <laughs> And it will just sit there and as I do this. <laughs> it's a lot more cool when you talk about, you know, these different body positions. And then I was curious as far as the body positions, if that is personal or kind of universal. Because a lot of times you hear about um, having your spine straight so that the energy can flow through. Or is that more personal as far as if, if you're really comfortable, then you tend to be a better receiver? Or is it a little bit of both of those? I think it's both of them. I have not gone out and taken a poll, but it's both of them. I love having my legs crossed and um, sitting up straight, or I can have my feet on the ground, but if I want to go deeper, I will cross my legs. If I'm laying down in bed, when we lay down, one of the brain waves shifts into the other brain wave. I'm forgetting which one shifts into which. And so when we shift into that brain wave, be more relaxed, meditative, brain wave, we are more open. Another technical thing I do is when I close my eyes, I look upward, not look where it's painful, just slightly look upward. That also activates the uh, the right side of the brain. So the left side is more the thinking, analytical. The right side is more the creative and the intuitive. So I want to activate the right side of the brain. So I do certain things to do that. One is looking slightly skyward. The other is I imagine a line down the center of my head as if from my third eye all the way up my head and going back down to the center as if my brain is split in two. And then I might imagine a little figure of myself on the top of my left side of the brain and then moving my little figure of myself to the right side of the brain. So it's just a little visual for me or intending that I'm moving my energy left thinking side 
to my right intuitive side. So there are these little techniques that I've done throughout the years. Now, most of the time, I literally just take one breath in. I'm like, and I'm open. But it's because I've done these little tools to tweak how I open up. Or for me in my life, even more importantly, to tweak how I close, how I close my front door of my house, how I energetically close. That was actually way more important for me. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been so great. You know, we're actually running out of time right now. So I just wanted to tell you, thank you for coming on and for talking with us. It's been a great conversation. Before we go, is there anywhere online that people can find you if they want to, you know, connect with you? Yes. So NicoleParish.com and that's my website. And then I also have a Facebook group. And if you go to NicoleParish.com, bottom of that website, you can click into the Facebook group emails Nicole Parish Psychic at Gmail, but you can connect email wise through my website. And my daughter has informed me that I have to have an Instagram. So that will be coming shortly. People have Facebook. Sorry for all those uh, young <laughs> people who have Facebook or old people who have Facebook who's hearing this. Um, so I will be having Instagram shortly. And I do group psychic readings online, in person, psychic development classes. And of course, one-on-one sessions or sessions with couples, sessions with groups of four or five. I do all sorts of combinations in person and over Zoom. Wonderful. Thank you. You are welcome. And it has been such a pleasure. This is one of my absolute favorite topics. I could talk for days and listen to other people about their experiences. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for giving me this Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Nicole Parrish for taking the time to talk with us and for sharing her gifts and knowledge with us. If you'd like to learn more about Nicole or contact her for a session, you can go to her website, NicoleParish.com. And before we go, I'd like to thank Tiana Roser for all the work she does to keep this podcast going and Casey Henson for providing the music. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a rating for us. We'll be selecting one positive review at random for a large cash prize. Just kidding. But seriously, leave a review. That's what helps other people find us. Thanks, and take care.